0: Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here, and uh, a jury-rigged show right now. I have to tell you, we're hoping that we stay afloat. We've been under attack here for about the last 15 hours, and the people in the deep state don't like to be exposed, and not just myself, but my sources. We've all had the runaround, but we think we're up, and we got a really interesting interview. For me, this is a fun interview, because uh, as you know, I'm a former coach, and I get to interview another former coach. And that's always a lot of fun. Um, We're going to be actually talking about uh, pride in country and using sports teams as political soapboxes inappropriately. We're going to be getting into all that. Our guest is Ronnie Mitchum. And I'll be telling you about Ronnie in just a moment. Uh, First, I need to let you know there's a couple of groups out there that make this show possible. One of them are the good people at Noble Gold. Don't do what my mom's family did on her side of the family. They went from riches to rags because they left all their money in the bank. And the banks are now... their stress test they're hoarding gold when in rome do as the romans do you need to call noble gold to see what they can set you up with because you got to diversify your portfolio it's not a matter of what you make it's a matter of what you keep so, I'm highly encouraging you to give them a call at 877 646 5347, or you can go to noblegoldinvestments.com. We're also bought to, to you by the best storable food company in the world. And with the uh, coronavirus, or whatever you want to call it now, coming here, it's now quarantining 23 million Chinese. There could be a time when you have to hunker down. Are you ready? Do you have your food, water, guns, gold, ammo, medicine, tools, all the things preppers say you need to have? Well, food and water at the top of the list. We can help you with the food. 40% off the two-week emergency kit. Restaurant quality. No glyphosates. No GMOs. 25-year shelf life. Go to preparewithdave.com. Well, like I said, this is going to be a fun interview. We've got Ronnie Mitchum. He's a former football coach and a present pastor. He's an ordained minister, to be more exact, with more than 25 years of experience in the ministry, and he's led churches in Alabama, Florida, Mississippi, Texas, and he does a lot of really good things. For people, and uh, being a Christian myself, I, I appreciate that affiliation as well. We're going to explore that as well. Uh, and in 2017, we're going to kind of set the stage here. He had two teenage football players protesting during a national anthem. We've all seen that on TV, right? Well, we're being buzzbombed here. I mean, this is one heck of a day. I'm looking out here, and I got the F 35s flying over my house. Wow, we have a home studio here. This is This is a day, a red-letter day, that will live in infamy here on the Common Sense Show. But anyway, to finish the thought here, uh, Pastor Mitchum is also a former Marine, so high marks there. I'm a Navy brat myself. And uh, he just was simply trying to impart life's lessons to kids, kids who need guidance, kids who could benefit from the discipline of a sport like football, teamwork, self-sacrifice, all that good stuff is taught. And unfortunately... He ran into a social issue, a social issue where people think it's cool to denigrate those who have served in the armed forces and put their lives and oftentimes given their lives in the defense of their country. And uh, I tell you, Ronnie, I want to welcome you to the show. My friend, if I, I would have been in your position, I'd have done exactly the same thing. I would not let anybody denigrate the service of our brave men and women in uniform.
1: Thank you, Dave. It's good to be with you today.
0: Well, let's talk about your background a little bit. Uh, Tell us about your football background, and we'll we'll go that avenue to lead up to how you got to be the coach of this football team.
1: Well, uh, my coaching experience, I I was uh, a pretty good football player myself, and I actually passed on some opportunities to play college football because I thought I knew everything, and uh, wanted to go in the Marine Corps and uh, so I enlisted and ended up at Paris Island and once I got on those yellow footprints I realized you know what I wasn't near as smart as I thought I was. (laughs) I later on went back to college and uh, was actually going to play for one of the schools that uh, had offered me a scholarship in high school. The coach who recruited me actually became the head coach and remembered me and um, welcomed me back but I had You know, a few years had passed, I'd got out of Marines and had my own business and different things. And uh, so I went back with the intention of being a football coach and uh, with, uh, you know, going to preach on the weekends and coach on the week, during the week. And that was my dream. That's what I wanted to do. And uh, actually, during that process, the Lord moved on me to put the football coaching aside and to actually uh, focus on ministry. And so after so many years of ministry, the Lord finally opened up the opportunity for me to start a football program here in my area uh, out of my church, which was uh, high school and junior high for uh, kids who homeschooled and uh so we joined the league here in texas and uh, that's uh where we started coaching in 2012 this program but i had done some other coaching over the years but this was you know the first time that it was my program and was able to bring in what i wanted to do and that was to focus on christ and teach young men that work hard work pays off and discipline and doing what you can to better yourself. And so when the kneeling situation started, you know, we actually just talked to them about that and made a straight out rule. I explained to them why it was offensive. Uh, I'd served in the Marine Corps, but besides that, I was patriotic, loved my country, and that did not represent what our program meant uh, when you disrespect the flag. And if they wanted to protest, they wouldn't be on our team. And uh, then two of them did. So that's pretty much where we got into this whole situation.
0: Well that is well that's that's uh, amazing that kids that already knew the score um, you know did you point out to him that Colin Kaepernick's life really hasn't gone as he really expected after he's pulled those stunts
1: well, of course uh, they were seeing the news, and you know young people are just so impressed but they They thought it was a cool thing to do. And, uh, you know, I had went over this the year before. And that year, and the Thursday night before that Friday game, Mm -hmm. I went over it again. And uh, I explained to them, I said, you know, you don't disrespect to get respect. And you don't disrespect the great symbol that represents freedom for all men and women around the world. And I said, we're not going to be a part of that that doesn't represent our program. And uh, I got a phone call the next morning, you know, uh, from the father who, uh, well, text, actually then turned into a phone call. but And I tried to reach out to the boys, tried to get them to come see me and try to work something out. But uh, I even offered some other ways to protest, you know, that w- wouldn't be disrespectful during the national anthem. And uh, they just uh, let me believe that was good. And then we got to the game and they didn't do what they'd agreed to. They went ahead and did their protest. And I immediately walked over. Shook their hands just like we teach them, and they show up at our program. First thing we do every spring, every fall, is teach them how to shake our hand and look us in the eye and say, you know, afternoon coach, uh, things like that. And so I walked over to him, shook his hand, told him, Uh, appreciate your time to shark but your time to shark is over now there's only two players that did this Uh, nobody else on the team did and uh you know so it was it wasn't a team deal it wasn't a big movement it was just two young men who were both related who felt that they could do that and they bragged about getting famous so you know i think a lot of it was more just in the ideal of you know getting on tv and all the things they sure caused a lot of trouble for a lot of people
0: (laughs) Did they get themselves on TV?
1: Oh yeah, they got they got on TV, and you know, of course, I did too. But I wasn't wanting to be on television for that reason, uh, uh, you know. But because they, but the time I got home from the football game that night, about midnight, to my house, uh, newspaper, Houston Chronicle here in Houston called me, and I know it sounds naive, but I'm not used to newspaper calling me at 12 o'clock at night and interviewed me so they they let me know it was the interview but it really just didn't register to me i was tired and so i talked to them and so it was obvious that it was pre-planned nobody could that quickly uh be notified in the news on a friday night at midnight and calling me and by the next morning it had hit the uh internet and uh through the houston chronicle and i had abc cbs nbc cnn i mean you name it everybody was bombarding me trying to Uh, interview me and of course each one of those were trying to tear me apart because uh, they felt like america felt like they did that you know it's okay to disrespect flag and i just simply told them you know i don't it doesn't matter what you think it was my football program they played on my team nobody forced them they joined them on free will we had rules and we were going to force those rules, and nobody was going to stand in, our un- in that shark uniform and disrespect that great flag that represented men and women who have fought across this world, and many of them died and shed blood and come back with, uh, without limbs. Uh, there was no way that was going to be happening on our football program. Um,
0: yeah, calling you at midnight. That, I've been interviewed a lot in the media through my uh, coaching career, and I have never experienced that. No one's ever called me at midnight. Yeah, uh, what what outfit were they with? Were they print media, radio? What were they? Well, the Houston Chronicle is. Oh, a, it was a paper.
1: Okay. paper. Yeah, but when they before daylight, it was already out on the internet, and uh, so by you know daylight, I'm getting all the local news channels wanting me, and then I'm getting, I mean Don Lemon, you name it, everybody and their brother it was liberal media was wanting me on their programs so
0: don lemon boy that wouldn't yeah. have been a setup with it
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> hi how are you welcome to the show you scumbag i mean i could just see you now yeah i just uh wow i, I that's incredible um so did they show up at your house like cbs and these uh, news outlets
1: yeah well all the local news channels came over and uh, interviewed me At first i wasn't going to interview and then uh you know i i decided that uh you know my story was true what i believed in was true and those young boys we never had a run in never had a problem i still loved them we had disagreement on that issue and uh so i went ahead did the interviews and it was you know amazing how they come in and they're trying to catch you. They're constantly recording you even when they don't show they are. They got the camera pointing the ground, but they got their mics on. And they'd worked so hard to try to catch me and thought they could trip me up, you know. And But it didn't happen because it was just the facts. I love my country. I'm not going to allow that kind of activity. You know, uh when you're representing the program that I started and spent countless hours, hundreds and hundreds of hours uh, promoting you as a coach, you know, and I was athletic drug grand football coach of a high school football team. We're traveling all over the state, just everything involved, but uh, you know, it, the story didn't change. I had, had NPR come in here, interview me. Uh, I had New York Times, they wrote, I mean, they called me and wanted to interview, so we uh, did an interview with New York Times, and I believe that the story possibly was an ever-major news source, in america and around the world because i heard from people from china australia europe i mean it was just amazing and uh, a lot of them were uh all thanking me for standing up for our country they had said they were sick of seeing our country being disrespected and they appreciated my stance
0: even the new york times
1: no, not the New York Times. I'm talking about people who contact me. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying that's not the now. New York Times yeah, M.O.
0: Not. You know, no, it's funny. No. <laughs> they, they contacted me on an article I wrote about the election of 2016, and I, I was really um, promoting Trump and uh, denigrating uh, Hillary Clinton. And basically I got asked the question by the New York Times, are you going to, you know, when have you stopped beating your wife? Um, and I got the, they basically said, well, here's what they asked me exactly. Exactly. Um, when you lose the election next week and Hillary becomes the president, um, are you going to keep encouraging fighting in the streets? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the kind of interviewing that the New York Times does. right? And that was really interesting that they they contacted you. But, you know, it seems to me, Pastor, that you have um, another argument there. If you had a team rule and you reinforce that team rule um, and it's applied equally... They're guilty of insubordination. doesn't matter what the political issue is. They, they could have appealed the rule, but they were insubordinate to a team rule that by being on that team, they've agreed to.
1: Right yeah and that was the whole issue you know they didn't have to play for me it wasn't like a public school situation of where uh they were you know they just district to you and you know zoned in your district these guys came on their own free will and uh, they knew from as soon as that all started i addressed it with our team and i said listen you know people of all colors have died for that flag during the civil war black men died under that flag uh white men all fighting for the same
0: withdave.com that's waterwithdave.com save eighty dollars for a short time.
1: Same purpose. Yeah. I said this is, you know, this is not acceptable and we won't be doing it and we won't have it on our program. So, you know, you're talking about a year even before that, and these two players were on the team at the time. Never heard a word from them. And so the news media tried to make like I was you know wouldn't listen to them and wouldn't talk to them that was not the case we had a great relationship never had harsh words that i can ever remember i mean they were great kids I, and uh, we got along great uh, my son one of them was my son one of his best friends one of the players spent out at my house i took him to football camps and uh, i mean we've ate meals together it was you know uh, just the uh, the fact that somebody famous was doing this they wanted to get out there and do it and then have a reason say well look i'm doing it for all these reasons but the facts were you know nothing come of that except a lot of disrespect and sowing seed in the young men that it's all right to disrespect your country and of course america is not
0: by calling Noble Gold at 877-646-5347.
1: A perfect day. Me and you know there's been uh, problems over the years and certain situations, but most of that is not because, I mean, well, none of it is because what our country stands for. is because of some of the rotten politicians we've had in office and uh, men, corrupt corrupt men who have created these issues. But our country itself has always represented freedom for all men. And uh, we, you know, I don't want to be a part of teaching young people. That there's that disrespecting our country is a proper way of action.
0: No, I, I listen. I, th- I think that's uh, those are good lessons to impart. Um, how many kids did you have on your team at the time?
1: Well, that, we played six man football, which okay. I know a lot of people when you're listening, there, probably don't even have a clue what six man football I, is. I know what it is. Okay, well in o- Texas and Oklahoma and I think up in Nebraska and Colorado, oh, yeah. there were places where people live in small rural areas. They started uh 11-man version, uh, but it was six men because they didn't have enough guys on their teams. And in Texas, it's still big uh with uh homeschoolers and private schools we played at a, lot, a lot of public schools actually play six man football in texas we actually had the pleasure of beating a couple of them on their homecoming and uh so we're always proud of that because <laughs> they always thought they would beat the homeschoolers but we were blessed with some great uh athletes and we had that year i believe 13 players so we lost the two we we're down to 11 and with those two, just to be honest with you, most people had thought we would win the uh, state championship because we had a great football team. But after that, I mean, it was a big blow to all of us. And when kids are scared to come to practice because of all the death threats and uh, horrible things that are being said, Uh, It's a little hard to get kids to focus, and us, too, And we got to have security watching the football field, you know. It's a little bit different story.
0: Were you kind of a standalone entity, or did you have an administration you reported to?
1: No, uh, I mean, yeah, we have uh, our little board that we had set up, and there was absolutely everybody behind me 100% on it. You know, everybody was in agreement without any issues whatsoever
0: okay that's no that's really good to know i um wow i i am just flabbergasted though that uh kids would allow themselves to be intimidated away from football team I, I just i I don't see the lot i mean the kids I've been associated with i mean i I, I think if there was gunshots over the football field maybe but yeah. um yeah so so oh,
1: when well, my kids they, i mean we can't we finished the season, uh-huh. but I'm just saying it was hard to focus and really, you know, be the team. And when we lost those two, they were two great players. And that was something that only a few people really understood that this was so important to me. The news media never could understand it, that if I was just doing this because they called me a racist and they said, you're just doing it because they're two young black boys and you don't like black people, you know. And I said, listen, uh, that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. I said, I have a multicultural church. I have... Uh, Hispanics, blacks, whites, you name it in our church. My piano player's from Uganda. So, uh, you know, you, you barking up the wrong tree when you start calling me a race, i've preached 25 years against racism and uh so when uh you know the the point that they forgot was if it didn't mean that much to me why would i throw away a state title dave you're a coach you know good and well i mean there's you work hard those kids work hard everybody fights to win that title and that's something you'll have for the rest of your life when those when I removed those two boys off our team uh, because they were star at least and with the other kids I had we were a great football team and uh, but you know that what was more important to me was teaching young men the right thing to have respect and accountability and also to show uh, you know that there would be no disrespect to our nation so that was more important to me than it was to win a state title
0: well Ronnie I, 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 I wonder what now what year did this take place was this 2017?
1: Yes, sir, 2017.
0: Was that the was, last year of your program? That was
1: about our fourth game of the season, I believe. Oh, it was okay. Fourth game. Yeah. No, we, we, we've tried to put a team together since. Now, we had been hit with high numbers of the two years before. You know, we had run up to having, I think, uh, about 20 kids on our varsity and so forth. But uh, graduation hit us hard over the last few years. And then with the stigma, I mean, you know, conservatives are – they 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 believe what they believe but a lot of them are not wanting to get out there and, and say much about it and you know they don't they like to keep it to themselves and uh, we had some parents that you know hey i can't wait for my son to play for you but i think a lot of it was also you know hey it's i i, I believe what the coach did i appreciate it but you know i don't want my son over there and getting in any kind of situation that would harm him so uh but we haven't had football since then and i miss it believe me uh i wanted to coach my son these last two years uh we just went to his banquet monday night for his last banquet of his football career as he's finishing high it's done with high school he's playing basketball now for his last year but being a senior but uh you know my dream was to help get to coach him actually and didn't get to do that the last two years but uh it is what it is, and I would still do it again today. Uh, I, I, I love my country, and uh, I, I'm not going to stand around and allow somebody to disrespect my country without having something to say about it.
0: That is just amazing to me. Um, you know, I, I pray that you'll be able to reestablish your team because kids need to be exposed to this kind of an environment. Because all too often, in the public schools, they're not. You know, you're lucky though. You're. I'm a little envious of what you got to do by introducing christ to your team Mm -hmm. there's so many prohibitions in in the public schools now with this i remember a case here a few years ago in the phoenix area where where i live tempe prep had had a really good football team and the coach made the quote mistake unquote of praying with his team before the game and they suspended him for two games uh and the team never recovered
1: My goodness, good yeah it's it's insane dave how that they have a problem with you simply praying with young men. I mean, it's it's insane. I didn't have that problem, but I've talked to a lot of coaches. A lot of coaches have talked to me since all that happened. uh You know, and they they're like, you know, I would I would do the same thing. They say I worry every day because you know I don't know with with the way things are in the public schools. You know, you just have issues constantly. You're always walking. Uh, trying to make sure you're covering your bases but i know there's a lot of great christian coaches out there and and in public schools a lot of great men that are making impact in those young men's lives yeah i had i almost
0: had an incident like this and and fortunately, i had an athletic director that headed it off but i i had a list of team rules and i submitted to the athletic director he didn't say anything and it was oh, about six weeks into the season, and I was walking by his office, come in here, and he had an email signed by four professors that uh, objected to my team rules. And I said, oh, are, are they alcohol distributors or marijuana dealers? I said, what's the deal here? And he's laughing, he says, no, no. He says, it's your last sentence on your rules, and it's really not a rule. He said it was just a statement, and he didn't even enumerate it. And I said, well, what would that be? And he goes, um, each day as if it's your last day and celebrate the talents that god has bestowed you with oh and for god. that i had professors stand up against me
1: well that goes to show why we're in the, the issues going on we got when we have those kind of men in the colleges teaching
0: yeah and he said well what do i tell them and I said, you can tell them for me that they need to get a hobby because they have too much time on their hands. <laughs> if they're reading my team rules and formulating defenses against them, I said they got to go get their own team or or, or or get a hobby, you know, go hunting or something.
1: But you know, what amazes me is I they it, still, as a minister, as a football coach, just as an average person. Period. If these men who are so bent against praying and uh, Christians having their Christian groups and schools, but they have no problem with any other group. Why are they so uh, afraid of a bunch of boys on a football field kneeling and praying together? What what is but they they don't believe in it, they say it you know it's not real, but yet they're afraid of it. And nativity scenes, whatever it may be, they're petrified, terrified of the fact of these crosses being up, you know, even in uh, in public places and all the things that they're afraid of. It just makes you realize, you know, I don't go around trying to fight the Easter Bunny, you know, because that would just be a waste of time. I don't even mention it. If somebody believed in the Easter Bunny, it would be their business. I'd never... They know. They know deep down because innate in every man is knowledge that there is a God. And because of that, they can't fight that even though they try to deny it. And so yeah. just giving proof constantly over and over again. Of fact.
0: You, you should be really careful. First of all, I'm the interviewer. So you should be careful about the questions you ask me because I might actually answer them. <laughs> um, it, but but when you ask me about what are they afraid of, well, if you deal, I deal with the mainstream media all the time. And I cross over some into it, but I have to tell you, there's a lot of good men and women there, but there are some people that serve a higher power, and it's not the higher power that you and I serve. Right, right. Uh, and and this is where they fear God. Uh, This is why they want to control the First Amendment, take away our guns so they can enslave us, I mean, take away our rights under the Fifth Amendment, because God grants all freedom. You have the right to choose and follow Jesus, or you don't. And that freedom is given to you by the Lord, not by men. And they want the power. They want to dispense the freedom.
1: Right. Well, you know, uh, you made a good point there, too. Uh, I like what you said. But also, a lot of the news media, even though they report uh, the report turns out the way it does. A lot of that's not the actual people you meet doing the reporting because I've met some really great people who came to interview me and done interviews with me who, uh, you know, it's their bosses. They have to turn in and then you got editors and they change and correct what they wanted to do and they edit uh, their film, they shoot on location, so uh, you know, there's a lot of great people they are stuck in an environment where they don't have much of a choice but report it the way that their bosses want it reported.
0: Yeah, that is true. You know, one of the things you did that I really, really appreciate and I, and I should have mentioned this when you were talking about this, was you didn't just impose an arbitrary rule on these young men. You talked to them about the fact that there are legitimate avenues of protest. It's right. just some things are appropriate in some settings and other things aren't. Um, its you you showed sensitivity, uh, yeah. let me ask you this, what did you offer them in terms of possible ways to let their feelings be known without disrespecting the flag?
1: Okay. Well let me set the stage real quick because you know, like I said, the night after practice, the next morning about seven o'clock, so we kick off at seven, so I had less you know than twelve hours uh actually to even get anything tried to work out. Because that morning I would say seven, seven thirty, I got the first text. So I offered to the dad and I offered to the young men, I said, Look, I said, you know, you're not gonna kneel without getting removed off the football team. Any show of disrespect, you're you're off during that national anthem. I said, but I will i said why can't we do something positive in a good way i said if you want to after each touchdown i said do you want to kneel we'll even put in our brochure our little you know game uh Thing you pick up there, uh, brochure. I said, you, we'll put it in our game program. I said, we'll put in there while you're kneeling. I said, uh, and one of them had supposedly wrote a report on this, which I just found out that day. I don't even know if it was actually true, but supposedly had wrote a report on, uh, this, a book rep- a school, you know, book report and was making a, uh, that paper. I told him, I said, I'll take that paper. I'll print it out. I'll make it available to the fans if they want it. We'll put it at the concession stand, the front gate, whatever. I said, and we'll pay for all the printing. I said, if you just will not kneel and do it there in the National Anthem. Because, look, I may not agree with your uh, protest, but I do believe you have a right as American to protest. So we're not trying to interfere with that but we're not going to allow it during the national anthem. So, you know, we, we did what I could, as quick as I could to come up with a solution. And uh, actually was led to... Bla-
0: the Common Sense Show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals from MyPillow. For example, they've got half off My Pillow bed sheets, more than half off their slippers, their sandals, their mattresses, their topper covers, women's lingerie. Uh, they have extremely great products, as you all know. Ladies and gentlemen, right now, go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges.
1: That They were going to do that. They showed up at the game. Uh, Asked them right before the game. We're warming up. You know, we're good. Both of them acted and suggested, gestured that yes. And then, of course, once the Nash- the prayer started in the National Nash- Anthem, it was a different story.
0: What uh, You said you had contact with one of the fathers here. How'd that discussion go?
1: You know, me and that father always got along great. And uh, he actually, you know, I told him, and he was like, Coach, I hope they'll do it. I don't know, you know. He said, but I don't want to waste my gas if they're going to do that to come out. <laughs> so the dad supported you? Well, I, I can't say 100%, but I think he understood me, you know. And uh, when all this happened, he never got involved after that the the mother of one of the parents and she was the aunt of one of the players uh she was the one who came out and told the call me said that i was uh uh, you know a lot of different things but she said i was like a slave master that used to beat them whip them and kill them as such and uh you know said these things said i had no integrity uh said that she didn't want her son and nephew playing for a man that had no integrity of course todd starns and different ones uh, made in their comments well this sounds like the kind of guy your kids need to be if he didn't have integrity he wouldn't have stood his ground and stood for what he believed in so but you know the father actually i never had any more communication with him and he he never uh tried to uh get involved in it as far as I could tell.
0: You know, it's funny too how the aunt just happened to skip over the part that everyone agreed to the team rules. So,
1: yeah.
0: Um that that's the thing that's really disturbing to me. You were proactive. It yeah. wasn't like this came up and you had a knee-jerk reaction after the fact. You mm-hmm. you were proactive and these kids knew the rules. Yeah. And for that aunt to say that is reprehensible.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean that was a tremendous insult and to say that I was, you know, uh like a slave master uh uh was you know very insulting to me as a minister as a coach as a human being but uh then you know what i guess they one of the things that the media really loved was they said after that i sold them off the team i made them strip on the sideline uh, which is a complete lie, and there was all these people there who could testify and would have, but the news media never went out and, and interviewed one person that was at that football game, other than the two players and the mama who went on the national, on the local and national news and said that I made them strip down. Now I said, well, here's three things I want to ask you. One is. If I just threw you off the football team and I couldn't make you stand, how in the world did I make you strip once I had told you off the football team? Second if i had thrown you off and made you strip your mama was up there with your uncle and your little brother and they were clapping and applauding y'all and i said it's funny to me that they had their phones in their hands they knew what you were doing and they were going to put it on television all this but yet there's no videos ever come up of showing me making you strip because the reality is it would have showed exactly what I did. I told them I pointed across my chest. I said, you go up there and change. And I want my equipment left right here. And I pointed to the ground where I wanted it left. We paid for all that equipment. And those boys were using my equipment. And uh, I wanted it back because, as you know, as a coach, that kind of stuff is expensive. Oh, yeah. With a program like ours, we had, we had to count for every dollar. And so I was making sure we got my equipment back. But so the media immediately said, you made them strip. Well, I didn't even know that to the last interview after I'd done three or four interviews that this is what they were telling them. So then when I watch it that night, you know, all of a sudden, I make them strip on the sidelines. So then everybody goes, you know, he's not only a racist, he's a racist uh, pedophile who makes the boys strip on the sideline. God.
0: Well, I'm, you know, by the way, that has happened with the stripping. Back in my days as a high school coach, I had a kid that went to um, – um, well, let's say a, co- a school on the East Coast. It was um, a Division One school, and they lost a game at the free throw line. And he brought them out in the arena naked and made them shoot free throws. So I'm not joking. Oh,
1: wow,
0: wow. oh, yeah, 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 well, yeah. He got fired. He got, he got fired thing. for that, and that was on ESPN. It was years and years ago, but but that has happened. But I mean, if you had really done that, you would have had the police showing up
1: absolutely the mother would have come down there and i mean attacked me i would imagine the week before she had went across field and went after the other coach and the referees and the fans so this was not a woman who was uh, just an easygoing person and could you imagine me making her kid strip right there and her not doing so there was three things you know i couldn't have made them uh, i mean i can't make a stand i can't make a strip and second of all no, there's no evidence and there's about. 30, 40 people that I know of personally that were standing there and would testify. A hey, coach didn't make those boys strip. He went back to coaching, you know, like I do when the games get ready to start. Uh, you got to be there on the sideline to coach. I told them that, and I walked off to the sideline and had to have a quick meet with my team because my team was mad that they had done that. So, you know, uh, yeah, we we'll had to get the kids their head.
0: supported your your position on this.
1: Oh, absolutely, uh-huh. absolutely. Most of them. Matter of fact, they told me they said, "Coach, if you hadn't put them off, we would have walked off." And so that's how patriotic my bunch is. One of those young men's in the Navy right now serving overseas. And, uh, got some mothers, you know, they we got great kids, uh, they were, you know, different colors, uh, but they said, we don't believe like that coach and we're behind you. So they stood with me and, uh, they, like I say, uh, we ended up winning that game 31-30. But uh, we finally got our act together and regrouped and got out there and yeah, won
0: the- that okay. had to be hard on your kids to to, oh, to find their level you know I'll just share this with you too. I mean, we all have our crosses to bear, but it was not too lo- it was not too long after I had retired from college coaching and um I got coerced into coaching a nearby high school team for a couple of years, and I really didn 't want to do it, but I felt like civic duty time and so we had uh, this family come in. And um, they, they were they were African-American. And the father has given me the third degree. And, you know, how could I know you were a good enough coach to coach my kid? He had no idea that I had an NBA background, that I coached in college. <laughs> <laughs> I played in college. And he had no idea. because I don't overwhelm the kids with that. It's not about me. And I just listened. And he says, and I don't know, Coach. He goes, you're pretty white to me. I don't think you could coach my kid. And I said, oh, okay. And then my assistant looks at me, and he spoke up and said, uh, Mr. Hodges was a head college coach for a very long time. Uh, and he looks at me and goes, yeah. And he says, Dave, what, what color were most of your players? I said, well, probably 80% were African American. And I, and I said, I think I helped a lot of them go on to have better, more productive lives. But see, there are people that have those preconceived notions. But I can All tell right. you this, the kids I coached, Uh, the parents i was associated with in the recruiting process um i'm still friends with a lot of them today wonderful people wonderful and they were uh, they'd be abhorred at your story and they'd Uh be abhorred at my story but see the media perpetuates this racism these kids Uh were probably great kids but they they thought it was cool how the media was portraying it so they decided to imitate it
1: yeah yeah and that's the way i take because like i say we we and the kids had a great relationship and after that moment matter of fact you know after they left one of them was a senior one of them was a junior and so he went back to the public school down here in our town and uh so the coach from this public school calls me and he says hey he said uh he wants to come play for me and he said we gotta have a you know a letter from you saying that he's cleared to play for us and so i gave him the letter that he could go play for him and uh he texts me and uh texts me about it and the kid did so i text him back and i said i signed your letter and sent it into your coach today so you're good to go and i said no matter what happened i said i still love you and, uh, you know, he'd come back and he texted me and said, Coach, thank you, and I love you too. You know, so good kids, just caught up in a bunch of foolishness.
0: What a great Christian role model move that was. Truly, truly was. Because I know a lot of coaches under transfer rules would have said, well, that kid kind of screwed me, I'm going to screw him, and he ain't going to be eligible to play, I ain't signing no letter. Yeah. And and you showed ultimate in forgiveness.
1: Yes, sir. Well, you know, it would it would have been easy to have done that, but... You know, the whole reason for building the program was to help young men, and I don't—I definitely don't want to yeah. hurt them. Even they make mistakes because uh, i made plenty of mistakes in my life, and it was the people that came back in my life and forgave me and helped me through those mistakes. And, uh, you know, I in no way wanted to be somebody who uh, potentially kept that young man from playing college football. That was his dream, and actually, last I heard him, he went to play college football, so I was very happy for him.
0: Well, that I told you God had his hand on this situation, but where God will make it complete. And what I'm going to pray for, and I'm sure many in my audience will, is that you get a football team. And I, I hope you're still actively trying to recruit. I mean, we need people like you in coaching. Yes, uh, most of the coaches I associate with wonderful human beings. A lot of them do it for the right reason. Some of them don't. And you do it for the right reasons. And we need people like you working with the young men. Yes, sir.
1: Tell me about uh, your book. Yeah. I, I, right. I wrote the book for that reason because the media would not let me get my side out. Of course. I, just a quick little funny thing. I did tell my kids, seniors and players, I said, well, you may not have won a state title, but you can tell whoever says they won a state title or something else makes fun of your team. Because we didn't win. I said, you can always say, yeah, but were you in Sports Illustrated? <laughs> we made it Sports Illustrated. Oh, you did. But the Cost of Colors uh, coach's story I wrote simply because i wanted people to see my side of the story to understand why i did it because uh, there was so many lies told about me and uh, so i also put in here my testimony of how god touched in my life and created me uh you know why the patriotism my time in the marines and a whole lot in this book and it go into a lot of detail of the story Uh, People have read it. I'm telling you, it was. It came out the first day it came out on Amazon. It was for the first two days. I think it was a number one new release in our categories. So uh, one of our categories. So we were excited, and we have you know just tremendous response from people about the book. I had a very talented lady helped me write the book put it out there to where it's in a good book form and uh i've had kids one of the neat things, they i went to a school up outside of chicago and was signing books for i I spoke at the uh, veterans day went to the uh, at the school there they had a christian school was uh, the year before i'd been the keynote speaker at graduation and so i went and uh, one of the whole classes the teacher bought each one of my book i signed the book But then to see pictures of them and over the summer kids from all different people all over the country with their kids reading this book, to think that I've encouraged kids to read was exciting, but also to help show them patriotism, love for country, and also a relationship with Christ is the most important thing they'll ever do.
0: Amen to that. Did you ever get any favorable press?
1: Uh, not really. I, uh, Todd Starnes was about the only one who actually, you know, I was on Fox News with him radio while he was doing that. And then. Uh, Good for Todd. Besides that, really not. You know, I was uh, on SBN and they, on um, Francis and Friends, they gave me an opportunity uh, to share my story and, uh, you know, just a few friendly outlets like that. But really, a lot of the main conservatives just ignored my story i'm I'm, i really will never understand why i don't know if they were afraid because of the accusations i made them strip and stuff or what but uh this book you know there's only my way to get this story out and so uh with the book being out a lot of people have uh, realized that what they heard in the news was not true, and it's, it's a great book. And I think your listeners would really enjoy it if they take the opportunity to get it. It's only about two hundred ten pages. I had old Marine Corps buddy who retired from the Marine Corps. He got the book on his day off, and he told me he said, "Ronnie, said I ain't read a book in years." And he said, I read your book in one day sitting there uh, on my day off. He said, I couldn't put it down. So that's the kind of reports we're getting from people that don't even really read a lot, you know.
0: When you were going through all this false media reporting, and trust me, I've been there. The Washington Post called me a Russian spy during the 2016 (laughs) campaign. I kid you not. I was one of 200 people they named. Um, You're kind of the son of a naval officer. Um, But anyway, long story short here, what I wanted to ask you was, um, when they were going through these outrageous false allegations that put you in the limelight of almost being a pedophile, did you ever think about uh, getting a, a lawyer and taking action against those libelous statements?
1: Well, you know, I, 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 you know, there's always that thought because you don't know. But uh, you know, as a Christian, I just, I really didn't want to pursue that. I would just rather, you know, they're going to be what they are. Uh, I had a guy, I saw one of them. He said that I was selling. Uh, uh, white supremacy material in my church. Oh, well, my God. <laughs> I mean, this person never walked in my church. Oh my never Jesus. been in my church. How do they know what I sell in my church, you know? And, uh, I mean, it was insane. Why would I have uh, black families coming to my church if that was the case? I mean, I think they'd be the first ones to have an issue with me. So, so they just made up lies. I mean, I couldn't even follow all of them, Dave. It was so many scattered around and the internet was just blowed up you know i would type my name in ronnie mitchell or my wife or kids and you know just internet story after story after story about coach ronnie mitchell and it was it was quite shocking and videos youtubes of men who've never met me in their life who were just trashing me and you know it's it's hurtful but it you know hey my god's bigger and all that and uh, i got more in me than that i'm not like them don't want to be like them. I just want to tell the truth and uh, love my country and love my God and going to help every young person I can and every adult that I can while I'm alive.
0: Truly uh, an example of turning the other cheek um, here because uh, they had to have done some outrageous damage to you with those comments in the media. Did it carry over into your church life?
1: Well, of course, you know, there's a lot of preachers who uh, I, I was always pretty... I have a church, but I do quite a bit of evangelism as a guest speaker. And, you know, a lot of churches, uh, pastors were afraid to have me, especially if they had mixed congregations because they were afraid it might upset some of the people in their church that had heard my story or knew about me uh, because of what had been said. So, yeah, it affected my ministry a lot, affected, uh, you know, me. And I'm sure there's a lot of black families that would like to come to our church but uh are afraid that if they did, they would get backlash from other people in the community sure so uh but actually, like I say, you know we have uh a mixed church of of different backgrounds and colors and nationalities, so. It doesn't affect them, but I'm just saying somebody new who knew that, they might say, no, I can't go there. I don't want to deal with that. You know, somebody saying, what are you doing in that church? So,
0: You know, to those pastors who were afraid to have you, I would say you'd also be afraid to have the disciples. You'd be afraid to have Jesus because they were controversial. Absolutely. In their day, they were highly controversial. Yeah. I get so distressed when I see that.
1: When you get titled slave master, you know, uh, by the mother, that's the kind of stuff that uh, people get, you know, they're a little afraid of that. So that was, I mean, that was the most hurtful thing that was said. All the other junk's just lies and. But when she said that, and I took care and I loved on her sons, and and as far as support, encouragement, coaching, teaching, and had desire to get them scholarships, and was working behind the scenes as I could to do that for them, and for her to say that about me, that was probably the most hurtful part of it all. And then, of course, that them boys would do that, knowing that you know our great relationship had been there, and all of a sudden it's like we don't care, coach. You know, we're going to do this.
0: I. um I don't think a lot of the people know until they coach that when you're a coach of a team, you love these kids. They become your family, and they yeah. stay your family even after you're, they're not playing for you anymore, and it doesn't matter what Absolutely. color they are. It doesn't matter one bit, but, it, but they become your sons. They, they yeah. truly do.
1: I got kids today, you know, that uh, uh, still call me and text me and email me all the time um you know talking to me saying hey coach they're in town they said i was at a basketball game here last week and one of my old players who's at college and was just in you know happened to be in town had the game come over to me too of a matter of fact and uh said hey coach you know talk with me and said man i miss shark football and we had a lot of fun so you know great memories uh you spend a lot of time with those young men. You get to know them very well. And
0: well, when you go to war, <laughs> you go to war with each other. You know, you, you have that common goal, and you're working together all the time. It's it's a struggle that binds you together. It's kind of like veterans going to war. Yeah, yeah. People don't understand oh. that about coaches and their players. Yeah. You know, when when I stopped coaching, you know, I didn't miss the act of coaching very much. I missed being close to my players. That's the right. thing I missed the most. And I'm sure you sound like that same kind of person.
1: Oh yeah, man. I mean there's there was nothing, you know, uh like it. It's it's just it's something less than somebody's ever experienced like you're talking about, Dave. It's just hard to, for people to understand. The bond you make with those players—it's like basically going to combat together. You know, you're both—you're coaching, they're fighting. You're like the general and sending orders, but they're—they're they're doing that. They're doing everything they practice to do and compete and fight for each other. And uh, it's just a tremendous time, Some great, great memories. You know, of really games, decisions we made, we laugh about you know and, and you know the humor that goes along sometimes in a team of just you know different things that happen or a player or something that they do you know just those kind of things i got so many memories and after we realized, I realized i wasn't going to have a football team again i was out mowing the football field and i just sat there and my wife said i saw oh, you yeah, out there just sitting seemed like an hour or so. What were you doing? I said, well, I was actually sitting there. I said, I could visualize some of our games and some of the events that took place. Mm-hmm. I, my kids making big plays, I said, I could just visualize. I said, it's hard to mow that field without, in certain areas, thinking of a certain play that took place or, yeah. you know, a kid making a great catch or a great tackle. I said, it, it's going to be a difficult stretch, and the last two years have been tough. but
0: Yeah, but you know uh, what? That's why you got to start recruiting today. Yeah, and uh, and let me know if we can be of any assistance to you. Right. Sure. We got about 15 seconds left. How do people get your book, Ronnie?
1: No, well, they can go on Amazon and uh, order it online at Amazon, and then you can also Barnes and Noble has it online, and uh, Chris Zulon. Christian Bookstores, which is my publisher, actually, okay. they have a online store where they can also order the book.
0: Well, we've been speaking with Ronnie Mitchum, Pastor Ronnie Mitchum, uh, hopefully future football coach again, Ronnie Mitchum. <laughs> and, uh, Ronnie, uh, you're an inspiration. You really are. It's truly my honor to meet you, and thank you for coming on the Common Sense Show.
1: Thank you, Dave. I appreciate you having me. It's great meeting you, my friend.
0: Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.